Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes from Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Stephen Summers from MarketplaceSuperheroes.com. If this is your first time listening to the Go All In podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're a returning listener coming back for more, we welcome you back and we love our repeat offenders. So thanks for coming back. Before we kick off the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on now. That way you'll never miss an episode of the Go All In podcast. And if you like what you hear today, please share this podcast with some of your friends and family so we can help share the Go All In podcast love. Now, on today's show, Stephen shares his go-all-in story of doing whatever it takes to succeed in the online world of e-commerce. As you can imagine, this is not easy. And as an outsider, you'd be forgiven for thinking that it's a hyper-competitive market and there's no way that you could compete. And it is, and it is tough. But when you learn about the pragmatic and practical approach that Stephen teaches, you'll understand that the competition just isn't as fierce as you think they are. Creating wealth, and I mean real wealth, not just some short-term gains, takes a complete shift in your mindset. And anyone that has achieved any decent level of financial success in their life will tell you that their journey is one of constant growth and ever-present light bulb moments. Stephen's journey was no different, and I know that his story will not only inspire you, but it will excite you to take charge of your destiny like he did, and it will help you to take some action towards your goals. You just can't listen to a guy like Steve and remain idle afterwards. Stephen shares with us the exact Amazon system that his community members use, and get this, Collectively, they've sold over $33.4 million in products and completed over 1.3 million orders in seven different marketplaces with simple, low competition items. If you want to learn how to set up a real, long-lasting Amazon business, then listen in closely. I'm excited he's here, so please help me in welcoming Stephen Summers. Stephen Summers, welcome to the Goal In Podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. I'm delighted to be here, sir. Looking forward to chatting, going into detail. And I was just going to say, it's, it's great to be here with Eric Bana's brother on the show today. So that's great. <laughs> well, I always get compared to movie stars. It's a common thing that happens when I'm out the front here in Cronulla. All the girls in bikinis coming up to me saying, hey, Rob, you look like Brad Pitt or something like that. No, oh, I, yeah. if only right. Well, thank you. That's a nice compliment. So Eric Bana's great Aussie actor, if you don't know, if you're listening in. Well, Steve, I'm really excited to have you on the show, mate, because... This is going to be a super, super practical podcast for the people that are listening and that are watching. And from the introduction that I've already done and people have heard that you are an expert in helping people with Amazon and helping them make money in online. But before we get into any of that, uh, I want to find out a little bit about you. Let's, let's set the frame here. Tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Where's that accent from? Sure. So I am 32 years old, just to give some context to my age. And I live in a little town called Wexford in Ireland. So it's about two hours south of Dublin and it is tiny. It's a fishing town and it is not where entrepreneurs typically come from, especially online entrepreneurs. Everybody here thinks I'm crazy when I I tell them what I do. So that's where I'm from. And I suppose from a background story point of view, I spent all my life wanting to be in the music industry, actually. I was trying to be a, a rock star, a singer, right? And in a band. And that's what I thought I was going to do. I spent my whole teenage years, you know, doing gigs, 
organizing gigs, learning a lot of that entrepreneurial stuff early on. But then I, I said, like, you know, this is what I'm going to do. So I did two years of business in college. And I said, I'm going to leave college now. I'm 19. I'm going to leave for Dublin, for the capital city. And of course, I'm going to make it in the music industry. And as you might have guessed, that didn't work out. So basically, I had to take a job while I was in my, while I was trying to do the music thing. So I was working as a data processor in a government department, which was not an exciting job. I basically took forms, somebody filled in, I put it down beside me, I filled it into a computer, I did that all day, every day. So not good. And really at that point, then I thought, well, look, it's okay because the band is here. And of course, the band broke up a couple of years later. So I was in my early 20s and started drinking, started eating way too much and really got stuck in that corporate career. And that wasn't really a career actually, but I was, I was stuck there. And so I studied marketing at nighttime for, for a year, trying to figure out like, is this where I'm going to go next? Is this what I'm going to do? And the more I started learning about marketing and other things like that, it's almost like the more I had this idea in my brain of like, I'm never going to do anything more than, than working in a corporate career. I'm not able to do anything else. I don't have skills. I don't have all these things. And so all these really negative belief patterns started coming up, right? And then I started looking, and I had forgotten all of my teenage years where I was really entrepreneurial. I was really ambitious. I was doing all these things. And I think it was because like, Anyone listening, maybe you've had this before where like you thought this is where you were going to go. You thought this is what your life was going to be about. And then it was sort of like taken away from you. And then you're in just in this complete state of disarray where it's like, I have no idea where to go next. So I suppose when I was in my early 20s, that's where I was completely lost, directionless, working in this nine to five job every day, feeling sick, walking into work, not having any real vision for where I was going to go in the future and just got really fat, lazy, I drank way too much. And that's really where I was, you know? Thanks for sharing that with us, Steve. That's a, uh, it sounds like a bit of a soul destroying existence in the first part of your life. Do you, do you remember, do you recall, was there a, like a turning point? Was there a tipping point yeah. for you when you decided to give up the music thing, the band broke up and you kind of, you let that go. That must still be inside you now even, right? It's in, Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and, and as, we, as we'll talk later on the show, I, I get to be very creative now and I, and I actually realized something and I'll talk more about it later, but I'll just briefly mention it, which was, do you want to know something? I wasn't actually that good at music. I thought I was, but I actually wasn't. I was mu- I'm much better at other things that I've really found my niche in life, you know? But, but yeah, um, it's a great question. And, and I suppose, again, I think it will resonate with a lot of people. I got to this stage one evening, I remember, I was like, I literally now was drinking like a bottle of wine every evening, which was really unhealthy. Mm. Uh, and I was watching like two and a half men on DVD <laughs> and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm feeling really sorry for myself. And basically, I, I woke up the next day, hung over. It was a Saturday. And I, myself and my now wife, girlfriend at the time, we went to a bookstore. And one of the things that I had done in college when I did the two years, and I did that third year, I actually started really finding a bit of a love for business books. So I had a really good knowledge of like business theory. But again, I, I thought, well, I just, I like reading the theory. It's kind of like I was reading about other people's lives and how interesting their lives were. But I, I was in this bookstore and I usually went to the business section, but this day I didn't. I actually went to 
the personal development or self-help section. And I saw a book there, which was How to Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be by Jack Canfield. Now, I read crazy amounts of books now, which I, I'll probably quote tons of things as we go. But I, anyway, I saw this book and I'd never really read that many self-help books before. You know, my mom, and maybe she read like The Secret or something like that. And I've heard about these different things and, you know, thought, thought they're a bit airy-fairy or whatever. But I read this book because I, I just started looking down these 25 principles of success, you know. So the first one was take full responsibility for everything in your life, no matter what. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, well, you know, do I take full responsibility and, or do I blame somebody else? And I, I started realizing, like I was blaming everybody else for my current situation of not being happy, of wanting then, starting to want to do other things. So I was blaming everybody else. It was the government's fault. It was my parents' fault because they weren't entrepreneurs. It was everyone's fault. I was, I was not to blame. And I was like a, yeah, an innocent victim here in this whole thing. <laughs> And so that's really where things started to change for me. Honestly, I read this book and I started like realizing I got to stop this drinking thing. It's really unhealthy. I got to start taking responsibility for my health in the, mor- in the morning time, working out and all of that. And I started slowly but surely to become more healthy. And then what I did was I actually got all of these personal development uh, speakers like Brian Tracy, Jack Hanfield, Tony Robbins, all the, the main big speakers of the time and still are to this day. And I just basically started brainwashing myself with positive information. And what I learned from all of this was you've got to find the information that's going to help you get to the next stage of your life. And so I decided at that point, and it was something I had said years ago, but almost forgotten about, which was if the music thing doesn't work, I'm going to get into business for myself. And I started going back through my early life, even when I was like eight years old. And I was realizing like, I actually was so entrepreneurial. I had, I've been working and having doing little hustles since I'm like eight. And I'm like, why did I forget that? Why did I, and, and again, a lot of people, we do it too, right? Forget a part of ourselves that was so big in our formative years. And so I realized like, I got to start turning this stuff around. I've got to start finding information now that's going to help me become an entrepreneur. So I started Googling, right? How to be an entrepreneur, how to make money online, all this kind of stuff. And of course, number one, I had this belief system, which was totally wrong, which has been, was fed to me through the media, which was, I got to start like Facebook or Instagram or something in order to be a successful entrepreneur, which is complete nonsense, number one, but that's what I believed. Then the other side of it was, well, I was looking at how to make money online, which is probably the this, this scammiest uh, phrase in the world now, where some people would say. And, you know, I, yeah, I started seeing all this kind of weird stuff, you know, becoming a millionaire and all this nonsense with the internet. And like, no, that's where I'm at. And I, I don't really like, I'm not really into the whole millionaire thing, but I suppose that's where I'm at now at this point in my life. But at the same time, then I just was thinking, well, the only way I can make money is by telling other people how to make money or something. And so I didn't, I had no idea where to go. Spend a couple of years of that and then started to learn, uh, go to the next phase, which we'll, which we'll get into. But I suppose just to give that real background as to that's where I was, I started to make some changes at that point. It's really great to hear you unpick it because I think a lot of people forget when business starts to get a bit of momentum behind it and you enjoy a little bit of success, unless you really kind of think about it or somebody asks you, you kind of forget about all of the hardship. I always say that your body doesn't remember pain. Remember what it felt like when you broke your leg? Well, yeah, it hurt. Remember when you busted your arm? Yeah, it hurt. But what did it actually feel like? Well, I can't really, I can't really tell you. It hurt. That was it. That's, that's it. And, you know, I think as human beings, we're wired, we're hardwired emotionally not to remember those things as well as physical 
pain as well. For me, I, I like to I like to know where it started for people. I think that's a really interesting story because most people can pick a date and a time when or when something happened. I remember for me it was it was Father's Day. I think it was like Father's Day two thousand and maybe nineteen ninety eight, ninety seven. I can't remember the exact day or the yeah. exact year, but I remember it was a Father's Day. And my missus at the time bought me Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it's pretty stereotypical that you, you read something like that. And, and my mum and dad were just hardworking, everyday Australians. They weren't entrepreneurs. They weren't business owners or anything like that. Um, so they didn't really know anything about business to teach me about business. And at the time, I was in the military. And that was where the journey began for me. It was rich dad, poor dad. Then it was the cash flow quadrant and understanding those things. And for me, that was kind of, I don't think I had a bad attitude. I had a pretty good attitude about life. I was because I was in the military, I suppose. I had a steady job. I loved my job. I loved what I did. And everything was okay from that perspective. But when I understood how you make money in the Robert Kiyosaki, the, yeah. the ESB or I scenario, that was just a revelation and a revolution to me as well. And one really interesting thing that's happened as I fast forward with my own children, uh, we bought the game, the Robert Kiyosaki oh, yeah. board yeah. game called Cashflow. And yeah. I can remember sitting down with my sons that would have been, they're only 18 months apart and they would have been sort of nine and seven. And we played it for a couple of years and everybody got really good at it and got the hang of it. And my daughter is now 13. She's about to turn 13 and I'm about to get that out with her and start doing that with her as well. And it's a, it's a really interesting time in history that we, we are in, you know, you kind of raise the point that, Hey, here I am in this small fishing town, at a place where online entrepreneurs don't really come from, I'm kind of the same sort of thing. You know, I, I live in just the suburbs of Sydney, Australia, and you know, there's online entrepreneurs everywhere, of course, but I don't know anyone else around here yeah. doing what I'm doing. And it's funny, you know, my daughter came home from school just just the other day, and she said, "Dad, we we had to get up in class and tell everybody what our mum and dad did." And I said, "Mum was a photographer, and you were a podcaster." And they went, "Pod what?" <laughs> yeah well that's great though and that's that's the world we live in you know and again that's that's how we're able to connect and i think as well that's how you know we've been able to build now like i suppose it's now like an eight-figure business at this point if you want to get into it uh which is amazing you know and again it's all from the fact that the internet and and all of that is great but then what you've just talked about which everybody listening maybe they've read the books as well things like rich dad poor dad like it's easy to discount those books as well and be like, God, oh, they're, they're kind of like, that's what you read or whatever. Mm. But the reality is though, if you actually, and you really embody what that book particularly says, and I think the most powerful idea in that book, by the way, is creating assets. And I, I talked about this actually yesterday on the show I was on, becoming an asset creator is, is a really powerful idea. And, and for me, one of my moments, real change moments actually pretty much near to where I would have said going all in, uh, not quite at that point, but nearly, was a point where I said from the, one of the books, uh, Jack Canfield told this story, right, of he was a teacher at the time in Chicago. And basically he said, I want to make uh, more money. I want to increase my income. So he wrote down, like he wrote a check for himself or whatever for a certain amount of money. I, can't, I think it was 100000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And had a book he was writing, Self-Esteem in the Classroom or something like that. And basically... He thought about it every single day. And in the shower one day, he just had these ideas of like what I could do to get the book out there to more people and stuff of, of that nature. And for me, I had a similar one in that I just had this idea, which was like, I just want to get, have 10,000 
a euro, of course, it is here in Ireland, mm-hmm. in my bank account. That's what I want. And it was just a random idea, right? But I thought, let me put this stuff to the test. This was before I understood business or anything like that. And so what I started to do was I started to immediately look at my life and say, what can I slash in my current income in order to get this 10 grand, right? And then I had the most obvious epiphany, which most people in the world have not had. And I hope if I'm saying it, you'll, you'll have this epiphany you listening because I had it, which was my problem is quite simple. I don't make enough money. I actually have to stop focusing on slashing my way to wealth. It's never going to happen. And instead, I got to start embodying this other idea, which is I've got to start making more money. I've got to increase my income. I've got to increase my value that I'm putting out into the world, which is going to increase my income. And this is like, there's this whole thing of, you know, you probably heard the book, uh, David Back's book, which I'm not a fan of, by the way, uh, which is this whole idea of like, you know, the automatic millionaire is his book, right? Which is like, you know, the latte factor, stop drinking latte, stop doing all these things. And then like put your money into like a compound interest account. You're going to become rich. I thought all that I didn't know, like there was any other solution to that. Right. But that's <laughs> what everybody around me is doing. Ireland is a, is a nation of savers. Right. And so people always say that now it is good to save money, but here's the thing. You don't even get 1% on your savings anymore. Mm. So, so thinking that's how I'm going to become wealthy is literal insanity. But if you think about, and I'm not getting into conspiracies here, but if you think about banks, what are they doing? They're telling you you should save your money. Why? It's because they can loan it out in the form of mortgages and personal loans and make a ton of money on the other side. So banks are businesses, and I didn't know any of this. So the whole financial system was not rigged in my favor. I didn't know that. I was just bought into it like a consumer. I started learning from these books then. I've got to become a producer. I've got to become an asset creator. And I've got to start putting things into the world that's going to actually help me increase my income. And that was literally life-changing for me. And I hope maybe somebody got that epiphany today of like, that's my problem. I'm, I'm trying to cut my way to wealth all the time. And it's not going to work. I'm sorry. It, it, doesn't, it just can't work. What works with compound interest, by the way, if you're wondering what does work, it's this. <laughs> It's having a lot of money and putting it into a compound interest based, you know, even an index fund account in the stock market, you're making 5%. But if you put, you say, 5 million into that, well, you're getting paid 5% of 5 million year on year without touching the principal. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're putting in, you know, 50 euro, 50 Australian dollars a month or whatever, you're never going to become rich doing that. The only way you can become wealthy doing that is if you live till you're 200 or something, which mm-hmm. none of us will, right? So, Massive change for me at that point in my life. It's really interesting the way you describe it. And in, in some ways, it's, it's such a great story because you had the epiphany and, and you had the awareness to know that that was a problem for you. But it's also a really sad story at the same time because the school system lets us down and the media, the banking and society wants us to go to work and get a job and buy a house, have a mortgage and live and then die. And it's like, I don't want you to live your life and do what you want to do. And I see it and I get a little bit frustrated with my daughter because I'm so involved with her every day and with school and whatnot. And, you know, the epiphanies that you had in your twenties, I'm giving to her when she's in her early teens and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sitting down with her and, and teaching her about mental resilience and, you know, the 12 pillars to mental resilience and mental toughness and, this is an elite mindset that you want to think. This is how an average person thinks. This is how an elite person thinks. And when I'm sort of explaining these things and running through these books and these courses with her, she's having these like, oh, 
oh, that's why my friends are like that. Oh, she's having these epiphanies when she's 12 or 13 years old. So hopefully that plays in good stead because she won't know any other way. She doesn't know anything different down the track. And in order to get what you want, sometimes you've got to think differently. You've got to behave differently. And I'll, I'll add to that, which is something pretty interesting because you were in a kind of like a, a box. That's how you get wealthy. And then once you start to expand your mind, then you realize that there's more than that way to do it. There's many other ways. Danielle said to me that she wants to be an actor, which is another way of saying she wants to be a waiter because you're going to have to do a lot of waiting tables and a lot of auditions to a little bit like being a muso, not much different. You know, you're going to have to do a boring government job in order for you to actually make it big as a muso if that's actually what you want to do. And I said to her, well, we've got to think of it a little bit differently. I think instead of you just going to auditions and going for these things, what if you became like a superstar on YouTube or what if you became an Instagram influencer early on here in your teenage years so then right. when it comes time for you to go for some of these auditions, the people that are going to be screening you are going to see you. You've got an audience. You already, they can see what you're doing and it's more than just you auditioning for something. There's, they see many different aspects of you. And I kind of, I said that just as a passing thing. And I have no idea what's going on four meters behind me in her bedroom because <laughs> she's got the door closed. She's got a phone in there, a computer in there. Nothing bad is happening, of course. Sure. She comes out one day and goes, oh, I went viral on TikTok. And I was like, Oh yeah, cool. I didn't pay any attention. Oh yeah, I went viral again a couple couple days in a row. She said this to me, and I was like, oh, whatever. And then just on the weekend, her brothers came over, and uh, they don't live with me. My sons, they, but my yeah. son Cam, he's got his license. They come over, and Cameron's yeah. like, "Man, you're going viral on TikTok," and I'm like, "Show me what?" Is, she got like forty thousand views on one video, and right. there's another video. She got like six and a half thousand likes, and. 20,000 yeah. views. And I'm like, what are these videos? Show me what and I'm like, oh, you, do you know how hard I have to work on this podcast to get that number of downloads? And you're on there yeah. like doing duck lips and some stupid face miming yeah. or, you know, to some song, yeah. you know, I said, you've got to get them into your Instagram, get them over there. That's where the influence yeah. is. And it's just a different way of thinking about getting what you actually want. Right. Well, yes. Yeah, and again, the rules are changing, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's a really important thing as well. So there's so much in that that you could unpack, right? Like there's the leverage concept, right? And there's also, there's get, catching a trend early. There's a lots of different things in there. But I think the biggest thing is just like, it's like there was a, a story, right? I can't remember the name of the guy, Willie somebody, but he was one, he was one of the greatest uh, bank robbers in history in the US. And basically they said to him, they caught him eventually and they said, Willie, why, why, did, you, why did you pick banks? And he said, that's where the money is. And it's like, you know, <laughs> kind of funny story, but also it's the same thing there. It's like, that's where the audience is. And I suppose, which we'll get into at some point, talking about Amazon and how we, we went down that line. I suppose looking at that then, it's like, well, that's where the people are that are buying e-commerce products as well. So I think the lesson we can all take away from all of that piece there is, Quite simply, like you've got to understand where your audience are. And obviously with podcasting, you know, like what you're doing, it's it's like you're creating an audience as well, right? So mm-hmm. you're so so again, you don't create people. This is an interesting concept of the internet too. You divert people. So then it's like, well, where can I divert people from to come to my platform? And I think that's it. You know, that that's we're in this this kind of world now where if we were to boil down everything we just talked about to one concept that everybody listening could learn from today it's distribution actually distribution of messages distribution of products 
distribution. And those people that control distribution, by the way, are the people that are the richest people in the world right now. So if you want to make more income, if you want to make more impact, you've got to start creating distribution channels. You can take a Robert Kiyosaki story as well, which I think is very impactful, is the idea of, you know, if you go to a well every day and you just take water from the well with a bucket and you walk back and you pour it into something, you can keep doing that or you can lay a pipe and you can get so much more water and you don't have to do any of that same work. And that's the thing, like, what I guess we're talking about as well, of like, if you're working in a, in a corporate career, that's a little bit like, you know, the bucket analogy. Whereas then when you create a distribution channel, if it's a, if it's a digital product, if it's a physical product, if you're on Instagram and you're building an audience, you're, you're, you're around what you're doing there, you're building these pipelines and it's just so powerful. So when you let the numbers work for you in the world, that's how you become more successful. And that's, that's quite simply the way the world is. And I didn't know all this back then. I was never taught that stuff in school. Because by the way, why would we learn this stuff in school? Teachers are great people and all. My wife's a teacher. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, she, she's the same. She, she's not teaching at the moment. We just had a son a little while back. But at the same time, I don't think she's going to go back necessarily because, you know, we kind of live our lives a little bit differently now and whatever. But yeah, like we don't learn this stuff from entrepreneurs. We learn it from people who are employees and you can't learn to be a successful business owner from an employee. And everybody around me who told me I wouldn't be successful, they're employees. So mm. I used to listen to them. Whereas you got to look at the uh, the pile of money rule, meaning if your pile of money is smaller than my pile of money, I'm not going to listen to you. Whereas <laughs> if your pile of money is bigger, I should probably listen to what you're saying. <laughs> I love that quote. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that quote. That's a, that's a really good one. Well, Steve, that's a, a, a very, very long background and introduction and, and good fun talking about that stuff. I, I really enjoy that. I, I love this podcasting thing so much because it's just a, a couple of people that get together and have a conversation. And, you know, I, I love nothing more than listening into a podcast like that as well. And I'm, I'm sure there's some, some gold in this little conversation for the listeners out there. But people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, Stephen, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Yeah. So the biggest uh, go all in story that I have was at that moment then, whenever I, I, I was trying to learn how to be an online entrepreneur, I basically got to the point where I realized, look, physical products are a great, great way for me to go. I don't have to be an expert. I don't have to have an, I don't have to have any of these things. I can basically find products. I can put my own brand on them. I can sell them on places like Amazon. I can build a business. So I, I got that epiphany. Then I thought, how do I get help? So I knew from the books and everything I had talked about, I need to find somebody who's already doing it much more successfully than me. I need to find that person. And eventually I did. You know, my aunt actually said, her good friend Robert, who's still my business partner to this day at Marketplace Superheroes, he actually had a business selling products on Amazon and eBay up in Northern Ireland. So I called him and we got to know each other. And he said, yeah, come on up and I'll show you what I'm doing. And so I, I basically went to this warehouse, right? And it was cold. I often say there was rats running around and everything. But you want to know something? For the first time in my life, I saw real products in a warehouse being sold to real people through the internet. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is great. This is a great start for me. Maybe I stay here forever. Maybe I'll change business over time. But I actually can learn to be an entrepreneur now. So where I went all in at that point was, you know, do I go back to my corporate job or do I actually bet on myself here and go all in? And I did. I quit my job. I lived in my aunt's spare room at the time. 
and basically worked in the warehouse for like nine months. It was cold. It was not nice. It was not the internet lifestyle, that's for sure. But I started to learn so many lessons about real business and how business works. And I suppose where we went all in again, second time around, uh, just to bring it on because it, it does connect, is that Robert and I, you know, we built this great working relationship. I was bringing a lot of the book knowledge that I had that I learned from the business books I'd been reading. He obviously had tons of practical experience of building businesses. And together we looked at this and we said, you've got two warehouses. There's, there's like eight staff here. This doesn't make sense. You're selling products that are now really old at this point. We have to completely change the game. So what we had, what he said was, we've got to find a way to find products that are in demand, low competition that we can launch aggressively. And we've got to do it in a way where we actually get freedom. So it's important to mention that we use this thing called FBA, which is now just only recently available in Australia, actually. We're opening a warehouse there pretty soon for our freight company. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, the point is that FBA fulfillment by Amazon, what that basically means to anybody who doesn't know is that you can send your stock to an Amazon warehouse. They hold it in stock. You sell your product on Amazon. People then buy it from you and they then get it shipped to them from Amazon. And Amazon do all the customer support and all of that jazz. So, so for us then to come back, it was, well, we have all these things we got to get rid of everything and we got to rip up the rule book and we got to start again with this new mindset we have now and build a business. And for the next like over a year, maybe 14 months, 12, 12 to 14 months, we literally were working, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day, finding new products, fixing old problems from the old business that Robert had, finding new ideas, new ways, new Amazon markets that we could sell on. And it was just a really tough time but basically, within that 14-month period of time, we completely relaunched the business with pretty much 90% new products. We kept about 10% of the old products. And we turned it into you know, a $1.6, $1.7 million per year business at that point. And basically, over the next three years then, we literally had this business then where we'd gone all in with Amazon globally, selling our products all over the world with Amazon Basically, we were in this situation where it was almost like the four-hour work week at that point because we'd done all this, all the hard yards, we put in the, the time, we put down the money, and we built this really cool business. And then it was, I suppose, which we can get into in a second, I'll just kind of leave it at this point. We got to that point after doing that for years, which was like, well, it's kind of empty. Like, it's cool, we're making money and all, but you know, I remembered being lost, not knowing where to go next, Robert helping me, and we sort of said, well, where do we go next? So... I can stop at this point and we can get on to that then. That what a story. <laughs> it, it has it has everything. It has the, it goes on again. Well, yeah, it's you know, that's that's the whole point this podcast exists to hear what it actually is like. Because what what happens is somebody's watching this or listening to this going, Oh, it's all right for him, he's really successful, he's doing this, he's doing that. But the reality is it was not always like that. And no. to, be, to begin with, it was like I was wanting to give up every single day, going to a cold yep. prison warehouse. It's a fridge in the middle of winter in Ireland. Yep. Like, my God, that's... In, yeah. and, and what about, were you getting paid? Yeah, like for, for a long time, no. Uh, honestly, you know, I, I remember as well, basically what I was doing when I first started with Robert as I was working for free, I found a way to make some money in that I started selling some of his secondhand products actually on Amazon and eBay. And I made a little bit of money from that, but I had to take a job at nighttime as well. I was working yep. in a bar uh, mm -hmm. while I was working for free in a warehouse all day. 
selling stuff on the side, really learning at the hard way, if you want to call it that, for like nine months. And then at that nine month period, we, the two of us, we built, started building the business together. We, you know, we removed everybody and we started again. And so, yeah, for like, honestly, for maybe another year, I remember I was making like, it was pounds because I was living in Northern Ireland at the time. I was making like 700 pounds a month, maybe, which is like maybe less than a thousand dollars a month. And you know, my rent was, you know, $600. So 475 pounds, I remember at the time, right? So I didn't have any money like at all. I was, we put everything back into the business because we had to, we didn't have a plan B. And for everybody that learns, learns from us now, they're in a kind of a situation where they're in a job right now. And I see people trying to like quit their job and they go into this thing straight away. And I always tell them like, I know you don't like your job right now. And that's the whole point of why you're building this business. But at the same time, going all in is really important, but there's a right time to go all in and there's a very wrong time. And I suppose looking back, you know, we probably shouldn't have gone all in as soon as we did, but we had no <laughs> choice. So we had to be, we, we literally had to do it. There's so many things happen. So yeah, look, I'm, I'm doing this nine years now. At this point in time in my life, yeah, we're, we're successful and we're growing. But, you know, even now today, like, like we're doing things like we're building a YouTube channel now for Marketplace Superheroes. And it's, it's got like maybe 3,000 subscribers. It's not a big channel. We're working hard to get that thing built. And again, that's bringing me back to humility again. Like I'm always starting from scratch at something in my life, even now. So I don't, and I'm not saying your life is going to be difficult forever. But what I am saying is like, you're going to continually be growing in your life and you've got to start looking at everything, not as a challenge, but actually as an opportunity to learn an opportunity to grow. And while I was in that period of like trying to get the business off the ground with Robert and we were really going through the tough stuff, like we knew where we were going. We knew the path with ahead of us. We knew the A to Z of where the business and what the business had to do to get there. And I think that's really important. You know, somebody said, a person can go through really tough things. They can do anything as long as they see the path, as long as they see why they're doing something, they can keep doing it. Like in the military with yourself, you know, there was probably times, well, I'm sure there were tons of times, physically almost impossible at times, but you knew, you knew where you were going. Like you, you could see the end in sight, if you want to call it that, even if it was far away, you know? So yeah, the, and the biggest lessons at that time I can share were a few very important ones. One big one was front-loading effort, right? So we're, if you're in a corporate, when I was in my corporate career, I wasn't front-loading and building anything. I was just working, getting a paycheck, going home. But for those of you listening, now is the time to start front-loading your effort in whatever it is you're doing. If it's building an Amazon business, great. If it's building a consulting business or if it's doing anything, like figuring out a side hustle, whatever, you've got to start building something that down the line can really multiply for you. So that was it for us. It was building up our stock. We didn't have very many products. We had to build our product lines. We had to get them all built up. We had to choose them, select them, buy them, get them, get them going, etc. Then, of course, with Amazon, there's a period of time it takes for your product to get into the system, uh, get ranked, all of that kind of stuff. So, so again, that's front-loading your effort. So that's a big lesson I learned. The second one that comes off from front-loading your effort, then, of course, is you've got to delay gratification. And this is a real challenge, actually, in the world we live in, you know, going back to what we're talking about with TikTok and stuff like that. You know, sometimes people can get almost instant gratification nowadays with your, even with your daughter. It's cool. I like, she's probably worked at it for a while now, but she was able to get that quick bit of success because of she's, she's working in a world where the numbers are working for her. Mm. And so 
for us then, uh, we were in this kind of a situation where we didn't have that big leverage point. It was just going to take time. And you some, so sometimes you've got to understand delaying gratification is an important thing in your life. And, and it's just, it's been lost on a lot of people. And, and I think that's an, an important thing as well. So number one was front-loading the effort, building something for the future. Number two was delaying the gratification to down the line. And number three then, big was building skills, you know, product research skills, copywriting skills, PPC skills on Amazon. These are all skills that we need in order to, to increase our income. And the, the reason I would say, if anyone's listening now, maybe they're struggling financially, I always say the reason is you've got to look at your skills and stay, say, do I have skills that can create a big result for somebody else? And, and, and I, looking back when I was a data processor, that wasn't creating a big result for anybody. Anyone yeah. could do that. So yeah. I was never going to get paid more for that. So these are huge lessons that I hope, I hope I'm getting them across in that and people are, are really getting what I'm saying because they're really important. Mm. I think one of the things that I've learned recently in, in my podcast booking agency has been, uh, it's, it's a lesson about from the US Marines of all places and just reading some of their doctrine and how that applies to life and how it applies on the, on the battlefield. And you've got to understand your what and your why. And people always say to me, hey, you were in the military, Rob. You know, you come from a really disciplined background. It must be really disciplined and really hard. And, and my response to that all the time is like, no, actually, no. The discipline in the military is not what you think because they wave a big stick at you and they're like, you be there on time or you'll be charged. And, yeah. you know, you charged means you're going to have a financial implication. They'll take your leave off you and it damages your career. So you really got to do what it is that they tell you to do when they tell you to do it. So yeah. you know exactly what you're doing it, what you're doing and why you're doing it. And because there's a stick being waved at you, all of your time management lines up to make it look like you're really disciplined. And as a yeah. result of that, you end up being really disciplined and, and really wow. on point with those things. And that just carries over into your personal life over a period of time because you can't be like that at work and then not be like that at home in your personal life. That's kind of my definition of what discipline is. Yeah. And the more you understand you what, if you, if you ask me what my date of birth is and I'll say it's the 10th of the first 77 and I'll just rattle it off like that to you, but if you ask me what my goals are, and I'll go, if I can't rattle my goals off to you, like the same way I can rattle my birthday off to you, that means I don't know what my goals are with enough specificity. And I think in business, if you, if you understand the what there, what your goal is, and then you get the really strong why you're doing that behind it, your time management falls into line behind that and yes. you, your growth will accelerate really quickly. And one of the other things that I, I learned I've worked in the startup space quite a bit in this digital marketing agency that I've had for the last decade or so. And yeah. just in the startup space myself with the podcast booking agency over the last year or so, what I've learned is about having a plan, but having flexibility in that plan as yeah. well. And you can't, you know, I can remember the, the best laid plans go to, go to waste the minute something happens. And I can remember being on operations in the army, you know, you cock your rifle, you walk out the front gate, you were supposed to turn right. That was the brief. And then the minute you walk out the front gate, they go, no, 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 we're going this way now. We're going left. I'm like, what's up there? I never even looked at the map because the brief was to go right. And we were going on a patrol down there and, and suddenly yeah. the, everything changed. And it's like, well, no, the, the intention is still the same. We're still going out on a patrol. We're still going out to see if we can find some bad guys. And if some bad guys are there, we'll go and deal with that. We're just going left. We're not going right. And then 
what that translated for me in business, you know, 20 years later is it's about adaptation and your ability to adapt to an ever evolving situation, but to be able to, to evolve in a way that enables you to stay focused and keep moving towards your goals. You need to have a bit of flexibility in your mind and adaptation goes hand in hand with improvisation. And I think those lessons that the Marines use in their doctrine about intent. So what's your intent, what's your goal and having flexible plans and having the ability to adapt and improvise at the same, same time allows you to overcome the challenges that you face in your business. And it sounds to me like from your story, bringing this whole thing full circle back to you, that there was some really significant challenges that you face. And if you had to let go of eight staff, that is a giant thing to do in a business is to, yeah. to let go of one person, never mind fire yeah. the whole team. And you just have to adapt, adapt or die. hundred yeah. percent. We had to shut down warehouses. We had to do everything. And, and again, that was because we knew what we were looking to achieve. We didn't enjoy any of that. It was the hardest period of our lives. You know, mm-hmm. we've also had, you know, since then we've had tough periods in our lives. Right. And even now, like you're talking about your, your podcast agency, uh, you know, we, we built a freight company in the last mm-hmm. year, so we built a, a freight company in the U.S. to make it easier for our clients uh, to ship goods from China across the U.S., China to Europe. We have a warehouse in Europe, and we actually are just opening in Australia now, as I mentioned. So, you know, that was a, a whole new business, right? But then here's the cool lesson on that one, which was that is now literally a seven-figure business in one year. And the reason for that is what? We had distribution, we had people who had a problem and we had the solution to the problem. So we had that. We were able to plug this in to grow our business, number one, but to give people better service. We're, we slash our members' freight costs in half now simply because we are able to make the numbers work in their favor and in our favor too. So, so I think, yeah, like adaptation, by the way, is, is a critical for anybody listening. And it's, it's true what they say, right? It's not the strongest species that survive. It's the most adaptable species that survive. And in this current world that I'm in now, even now, like I'll, I'll happily tell people like, you know, why am I coming on podcasts like this? Well, number one, I love sharing the message that I, that I have. But also number two, like there's all these amazing people with amazing audiences out there. And, you know, I've got to, I've got to do, I've got to put the time in to speak to these people and share my message. And if, if that fits with somebody and they want to come and do, look at what we're doing, that's great. If it doesn't, if they take something away, that's also great. But I think like this idea we have in the world of, you know, I can just open up my laptop and I don't have to put any effort in whatsoever. And I just like, I'm entitled to all this success. Like it's just not true, you know? And I, and I always, one of the biggest things we always try to put out in our own business when we're, when we're speaking to clients and we have our, our YouTube videos or whatever, it's just like, look, let me give you the real picture here. And the real picture is actually really exciting, by the way. It's not negative. Like building a podcast, anything, it's not negative. But it's like, you've got to understand that the, the fence that goes up quickly is the fence that falls down quickly in business and in life. So are you putting up a fence that's going to stand the test of time? Or are you putting up a fence that's just going to fall over at the first hurdle? And that really just comes down to what we're talking about, which is like building something of worth, putting in the time, adapting to things along the way, knowing why you're doing it, putting in the, the hard yards at times and just making things happen. And you can make amazing things happen in your life when you have that mental resilience that you've talked about, when you have the right attitude. And when you go all in too, 
and when you know when to go all in as well. And I think the biggest thing also from a business standpoint I'd like to share is that the biggest mistake people can make, by the way, if they have a first business, is that you try to create something brand new. It's never been seen in the world. It's never been done before. It's a terrible mistake. The much better way to go is find something that makes sense, find someone who's done it, and just implement what they've done. Because you'll learn so much more by being in the game than by watching on the sidelines. And that goes for anything, podcasting, coaching, selling things on Amazon, it doesn't matter. And you might think, oh, he's just saying that so people will buy his course or something, which is just not true. I mean, honestly, I wish I had that advice long ago because I would just got involved in something. Even if I was making $500 a month, it wouldn't matter. I was in the game. I was learning things. I was getting the skills. And that's what I, I only got that when I started selling those things on the side when I just began, that's when I started to realize, wow, I put something on the internet, somebody bought something from me. With yourself, I put this podcast on the internet and somebody I don't know listened to it. That's incredible. And your life changes then, but it only changes when you are in it. You can't just watch it, you know? And don't watch it. Get in it. Get in the game. If you want to score a goal, you got to get on the pitch and you got to go and kick the ball. It's yeah. as simple as that, you know? And Start ugly, you know? <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the one of my favourite sayings, and you kind of alluded to it, is is nothing that is built to last is built fast. But that's not to say that you can't be successful quickly either by following through with what other people say. One of the with with this podcast booking agency thing that I've got going on now, because podcasters don't really get paid any money. It's very hard to monetize a podcast other than with advertising or affiliate deals or a couple of yeah. other things that you can do. But my experience has been that most podcasters don't want to do something like that. And so I created a model where podcasters can get paid to yeah. interview people that I have in my agency. And all of a sudden podcasters came out of the woodwork and there's thousands yeah. of podcasters in, in my network that I connect to people that want to go on shows and want to get PR. So yeah. it's a marketplace that I created that hadn't existed before, but the idea existed. I just copied what everybody else was doing out there in podcast booking agencies and thought I could do that too. And I put my own little twist on it and I got my own little bit of IP in it and my ability to yeah. get to market quickly and with speed has seen it being really successful in a very short space of time. And I attribute that to one of my favorite authors, Grant Cardone, and his most recent book is called Be Obsessed or Be Average, B-O-B-A. And he kind of, you know, Grant Cardone, love him or hate him, uh, he, he yeah. kind of gives you permission in that book. It's the missing piece of the 10X rule. And for the people listening in that don't know what the 10X rule, it's all about everything's 10 times harder and it takes 10 times longer and takes 10 times more effort than what you think. And particularly in digital and online, it's very, very difficult to do. So you've got to make that allowance for yourself. And when you make that allowance for yourself, you kind of give yourself the opportunity to take, so it, it delays the gratification for you. It's not, yeah. you're not kind of looking at everybody wanting to be successful like today because you understand that it takes 10 times longer and it's 10 times harder. And the missing piece to it was the BOBA bit, the be obsessed will be average bit. Because for in order for you to maintain momentum, you really do have to be fairly obsessed about what it is that you're doing. And you kind of yes. alluded to it before, you know, we were back in the day, we we're working 12 to 16 hours a day. And you know, that's just the way it is. That's what you got to do. Yeah. And nobody in a government job or a normal job is working 12 to 16 hours a day. They're not obsessed enough by their job. They don't get paid enough money by their employers to actually do that. And I think that that in some ways 
is the secret sauce and the missing part to the hustle and grind culture that is so prevalent in the online space that everybody wants to be, you know, this internet entrepreneur and this millionaire driving around in Ferraris and Lambos like Ty Lopez or Gary Vanderchuk with that hustle and grind thing all the time. But you've got to give yourself the permission to be a little bit obsessed with it because there's a difference between having it as an all consuming thing or just being obsessed about getting it right. And once it's right, as you guys discovered in your business, it's like, well, okay, well, what's next? This is working. Yeah. This model is working. How do we get to scale and get to distribution? And it's a really, really yeah. interesting thing. And, and I actually love some of the points you made there. I'll, I'll definitely like to comment on. I mean, I, for sure, the hustle and grind thing, I, I don't want to put out my story by the way that like, you know, I only believe in like 14 hour days. And if you're not doing oh, those, no. you're like, a, you're a loser or something. Yeah, <laughs> if no. you could do it in three, do it in three, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, it's just like some, sometimes when you go all in, you do have to, it will take you time and that's okay. Equally on the 10X rule, there's a couple of things I would say on that. Number one, you've got the way you describe it, which is definitely valid. You've got the other way of describing it, which is, you know, whatever your goals and objectives are, 10 times them. Mm. Because if you say, well, I'm, I'm, I want to try and make 10 grand, well, what if you tried to make 100 grand? Like you'll get 10 grand a lot easier than the 100 grand. Now there is a kind of an inflection point with that rule, which I think people have to be careful with, which I think is important too. And I love those books, by the way, I've read them all. I really do like them. But I also thought, I I think on reflection as well, we have to be careful because sometimes uh, if you 10X always, right? Well, you never ever get, you never like achieve anything either, (laughs) which is the danger part, right? So, so I've done that before where I feel like no matter what I do is good enough or I'm not making enough impact. I'm not doing, sometimes you got to realize, hold on a second, look where we've come from and look what we're doing now. And at times it's okay, by the way, to not work and to, to enjoy your life. Like these are all fine too. But I think what you said, which is really valid, which I think is the real, I think I feel is the real point, which is like when you genuinely are interested in doing something, you know why you're doing it. It's okay to be obsessed. Mm. And at times obsession will mean you will work hard. You will work long, but you will actually enjoy doing it. Like even now, you know, today, for example, actually that we're doing this podcast, it's a crazy day for me. I'm recording, I think, three podcasts today. I have a webinar tonight at all hours. And it's just a kind of a crazy day. But again, like, I'm not doing this for money. Like, I don't get paid. We don't get paid to do this right now. And that's completely fine. Like, I'm happy with that. But I'm doing it because I know the, the impact it's going to make down the line. So I'm delaying my gratification always. And that's fine. That's important. That's valid. And, and equally... I'm obsessed with impacting people at this point because some people might say it's all about money and I'm going to tell you something. Anyone listening and you think that I'm here today and I'm making all this money and this and that and the other, I'm here to tell you something. I could take hundreds of thousands of year, uh, dollars a year, whatever, Australian dollars, euro, whatever, a year if I wanted to. I don't. Why? Because there's a little thing called tax. <laughs> if you take personally tons of money in any modern society, you're basically going to give half of it back to the government. Mm. So what's going to happen is as you grow and as you impact and change your own life, you get to an income level where you realize it isn't actually about the money anymore. Because if it was, you'd just be disappointed all the time you're giving half of it to the tax man <laughs> all the time. It's about other things. And so I think the real final point on this is your life is stages. Like, you know, 
I'm in a stage of my life now that is very different to when I, when I first started in business. And then I'm going to be in a stage down the line, uh, which is very different to where I am right now. And we have all these different things going on. We're building software for our members. We're building freight companies. We're building accountancy practices. We're doing all these things. And we're putting all our resources into those things. Why? Because we know where it's going. We know what, we're, we're, what we want to achieve. And it is not about money. So anyway, I was a little bit of a, a, a context from my side on those things. I think they're all really valid, but it's important to just think about them as well, you know? Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's really interesting and important that you put your opinions out in the world as well. You know, doing three podcasts in one day is a lot of work. That's hard work. I've done that as a host as well. And it, and it takes effort and energy to do that. But, you know, every time you do that, you're kind of leaving a little bit of your legacy behind. Because one exactly. day you, you'll be dead and gone. Your kids will see that and go, hey, I didn't know my dad thought that yeah. that particular thing. And I, I love the idea of, of leaving that legacy and recording this legacy and uploading it to a thousand different places online and, and you'll exist yeah. forever. You, you're leaving your mark on the world and in impact on the world, which is a really good thing as well. Steve, tell us a little bit about your business and what it is that you actually do. You've kind of gone around the edges a little bit of it there, but maybe you can just dive in and tell us exactly what it is and, and what you do for the people that are listening. Yeah, sure. So our company, our main company is Marketplace Superheroes. Everything I do is superhero, by the way, because I'm, I'm big into superheroes. <laughs> uh, so basically what we do is we teach people all over the world uh, how to build their own business selling their own branded products on Amazon and globally. So in other words, what we do is we go to Amazon, let's say amazon.com or amazon.au at this point, and we look for what's, what products are, are in demand, they're selling right now, the proven demand, but the competition's not great, the offers aren't that great, they could be improved a lot more, there's room for something else in that market, there's a gap in that market at a base level. And basically what we do is we then go and we figure out what can we do with that product to make the offer better? Then what we do is we go, we find a supplier who's producing that product, who's producing the additional bonus items or packs or whatever we're going to do with it to make it better. We put our own brand on the product. Very important. We private label our own brand at that point. And then what we do is we take that product, we import it and we sell it on amazon.com. We sell it in Europe on Amazon. So we can put actually all our stock to one country in Europe and we can sell in all the different European marketplaces on Amazon from one place. We send some stock to Australia and we have, we have a global distribution channel that Amazon, they basically do a lot of the work day-to-day -day for us and our clients as well. So it's a really cool business. It's something that really is possible for pretty much anybody listening. And the reason it's cool, I think, as well, is because a lot of our clients, you know, they're a little bit older as well. They're maybe in their, you know, in their 50s sometimes. And we've got clients in their 20s as well, of course. But, you know, they're a little, maybe they're not as techie as others. And they're like, well, how do I start an online business? And I don't need a website. I don't need like warehouses like you guys used to have. I don't need all these different things. And it's great because, you know, Amazon, they're such a huge company. As a matter of fact, they're the biggest e-commerce business in the world, as you probably know. 50% of anything sold online is sold on Amazon right now. They sell between three and 600 units a second. So I'll put that into perspective. We've talked for like an hour. If we were talking for like an hour, hour and a half, it would be 4 million items would be sold. So the scale is humongous. And I think just to really bring it home, what our real uh, thought process is on Amazon is what we call a rule of five. And the rule of five is growing all the time. It's really exciting because all the, these new Amazon markets are growing all the time. But let me explain what I mean, Rob. It means that, let's say you have five products, right? We sell them in five Amazon markets. We're making five sales per day per product per market. 
and we're making an average of $5 net profit a sale. So when you look at that, over a 30-day period with a small number of products in a small number of markets, you get this compound effect, and you actually would make there $18,750 net profit per month with just five products because we're selling them in all these different Amazon markets all at the same time, all mm -hmm. over the world, and we just basically... Our, our goal is to find the product, find the opportunity, improve the offer, get it to Amazon, optimize it on Amazon so people can find it through keywords and stuff like that. Then a little bit of Amazon uh, advertising to, to push it on and then a bit of time. And that's basically the model. It's very, very simple. Uh, you don't need a website, you use Amazon. You don't need a warehouse, you use Amazon. You don't need to worry about payments or anything like that, you use Amazon. And it's 50% uh, of Amazon sales, by the way, actually come from third-party sellers just like ourselves. So uh, some people might say, by the way, e-commerce is like, you know, po and like podcasting, it's saturated or something. I just think it's so funny that people say that because right now, if you take like the US, for example, which is a very big market, uh, you know, e-commerce only accounts for about 12% of retail sales right now, even now in 2019. So this is a growing market. It's, it's expanding all the time. Or countries like Australia coming on, by the way, there's mm. like less competition in those countries. Uh, and so it's just, a, it's just a great global business you can run and you don't have to have any of the traditional things. And it's changed our lives. It's changed our clients' lives. We've got over 4,000 clients at this point. And uh, it's just an amazing business model that is perfect for to get into business. Some people never move off the business model. They just stay with it and they keep growing it. And it's just awesome. So that's how it works. Very nice, very nice. What's the what's the favorite part about affecting four thousand clients like that? Helping that's a lot of people that you've helped. That must feel really good. What's your favorite part about that? Yeah, like I mean, honestly, it's just seeing we get posts in our Facebook community every day from people who've got their first sale. Some people have got their, you know, thousandth sale. Like there's one guy, Claude, he posted a, a really cool screenshot recently I have. And he basically did $1.9 million over two years in Amazon revenue. So he was making about 20, 25% net profit off of that. So we always talk about profit as well. You know, like it's all well and good talking about revenue, but how much you make. And, and just for anybody listening, what you're, what we do is, Whatever your sale price is, let's say it's 20 Australian dollars or whatever US dollars, you're looking to make 30% of that as net profit in your pocket after all expenses are paid. So $20, you'd make about $6 in your pocket, right? So, so again, for us, it's just seeing these people, you know, either starting or growing. And that's it for me, you know. We also, talking about going all in, you know, we built this freight company, Superhero Freight as well, because we knew like it's a challenge shipping stuff from China at times, especially when it's a smaller order when you're just starting. So we make it easy for our members now. We have an online app and all that kind of stuff. But we went all in with our clients there. In other words, like we could have just sold a course and, you know, chilled out and all that jazz. Well, hey, what's better is actually giving people things they need and you want to know something? It's beautiful because if they, if our clients don't, don't succeed from our education, our freight company can succeed. So we are all in with our clients too across the board. And I think it's like, for me, I think it's refreshing because I think too many times, you know, there's great coaches online. There's great people out there. I, I'm not saying there isn't. There really are. But also there's the other side of it too, which is like, am I really all in if I'm just like, just like giving you a course and that's it? 
Mm. I don't feel like you are, right? I think you can really, like your podcast agency, for example, like you're all in there. You created a model where you're paying people for something they wouldn't have got traditionally paid for. And that's also, that's a risk on your side. And that's you going all in to make sure they get what they want and the people who want to get on podcasts get, get what they want too. So I think that's really huge. And I think like that's why I love the idea behind the show, by the way, because I feel that in the world we live in, if we can go all in with our clients too, we can really affect change, you know? Yeah, it's a beautifully said. If, if someone was wanting to get involved in setting up their own Amazon business like you're describing and working with yeah. you, what sort of time commitment and financial commitment would they need? There's a learning curve. Yeah. That's the sure. time commitment. How long does it take to learn to do something like that? How much does it cost? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can learn to find your first products. And I say products because you never really should launch one product. You should launch maybe two or three when you're starting. Uh, but you can learn to do that within, honestly, like 30 to 60 days. And I've seen people do it in less, by the way, that they can learn enough that they know the product there. They know what they're going to do. We give our clients a lot of help as well. We've got amazing support. Six mentors work with us full time as well. So we've unbelievable support. So we help people in a big, big way. But yeah, you can do that in 30 to 60 days, no problem. And then obviously it takes a little bit of time to produce your items, get them into stock and stuff like that. So that's kind of level one per week then, you know, I always say like if you've got 45 minutes to an hour a day, that's really what I would say is the minimum I would say. There's some people spend, you know, two hours a day at it. But the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to be spending eight hours a day. It's, it's way too long. So I would say if you have like an hour, hour and a half a day, that's a really good amount of time to first learn the, learn the system, learn the process. Then you're going to be finding your first products. And then there's certain things like you're, you're speaking to suppliers. That takes a little bit of time and learning. So that's why I always say 30 to 60 days, you can really learn the, the, everything you need to know to get your business off the ground. Uh, in terms of financial commitment then, you know, uh, as I always say, I'll ask you a question on this thing. It's important, right? And you, you live in Sydney, uh, the, the suburbs, but like even where you live now, Rob, what would you say to open a cafe? How much would you say it would cost you to open like a coffee shop where you are right now? Oh my Roughly. God. Maybe 500 grand. Maybe okay, right. grand. that'd be the cheap side. And that's to sell lattes for $3 or $4, right? Or whatever, right? Yeah. Which, is, which is cool. And people do it all the time. And so I always say, we call this the coffee shop reality, right? And I always, before I get into financial, I always start here and I say, you know, it could cost you 500000 to start a coffee shop, 100 grand, whatever it is. But I mean, you can start a global business selling products in the best distribution channel in the world. And you can, you can start for like well under $10,000, you can get started from one to three grand actually. Wow. Now you're not going to get too many items for that, but it's going to be enough to get you into the game, get you getting your first couple of products under your belt, get you learning. And then from there, you know, when you, when you talk about return on investments, then we're always trying to double our money. So if we put in a dollar, we're always looking to make $2 when it's sold. How long does it take to sell a product? It does depend. These are common questions, but I mean, mm. anywhere from three to nine months to sell out an order in full. Uh, and, and again, three on the low side, nine on the high side. So six months, let's say. But what other investment could you double your money within six months? It's not very many, you know, from a physical product standpoint. Certainly, you won't do it in a bank. So uh, that's why I always tell people like that. They're they're the numbers. We've got people, tons of case studies I can show people. But Peter and Rich, two guys from Boston, you'd really like these guys. Actually, you get on well with them. Really good guys. And they started with nothing. They came to one of our boot camps in Ireland, actually. And basically, we've no business, we've no nothing, we want to learn. And now they're, in, they're coming into their second year now. And at the end of this year, for this year alone, by the way, they should do like 500 grand revenue at least. So 
That's nice, you know, and that'll be into the, the multiple seven-figure business actually pretty soon. And just to comment on that, by the way, anybody listening, there's a big obsession with getting to a seven-figure business and all that, right? It's just, it's, it's all been put out there by everybody. But, you know, the interesting thing is if, if you take the States, right, because that's where the, we have the most data in the world, they, they do the, their numbers, only 3% of businesses do over seven figures a year in revenue turnover sales in the U.S. alone. Not so many. Yeah, it's tiny, right? So many small mom and pop organizations and stuff like that. So, you know, you don't have to be a, a million dollar seller to, to change your life. Like if you're doing, let's say, $30,000 a, a month in sales, right? You're making 10 grand. That's, that's, that's pretty nice, you know? So that's $1,000 a day. Mm. If you split that between even North America and Europe, it's $500 a day in each of those markets. And then you start going, well, what if I'm making $5 net profit? I only need to make 100 sales in a day to get there. And that, that's all of a sudden, that's very achievable, you know? And I think that's the message I want to put down for anybody listening in anything you're doing in life. Break down your numbers, chunk them down, chunk down your goals and, and really shrink them down. And you'll see that things are way more achievable that way. So I, I hope that's, that, that answers uh, pretty much most of your questions anyway. <laughs> it does. It does. And, you know, I wanted to reiterate your point of e-commerce and people thinking, oh, my God, it's so saturated. And, you know, you're not yeah. going to be able to make – and you have to be an Instagram influencer taking photos of yourself or get 40,000 video views on TikTok like my 12-year-old daughter <laughs> to do that. You know, you just don't. You, that's the reality. You know, I, I would put the e-commerce numbers next to the podcasting numbers. I've had yeah. a lot of people in the last couple of weeks say to me, hey, I want to I wanna start a podcast. Can you help me to do that? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, like I'll show you what gear to buy. I'll give you an email. That's the gear you need. And this is how you do it. Yeah. These are the things to think of. You should maybe think about doing that Udemy course or this Udemy course watch this person and that that's it sort of thing. And then they're like, Oh, well, isn't it such a saturated market? And it's estimated. Nobody really knows for sure. There's around 700,000 podcasts out there, but in the last month, there's only 280 odd thousand of them that have actually had an episode that's uploaded. And the average number, the average number of podcasts or the average number of shows that a podcast has is only 17. So it's a little bit like what you're describing there with e-commerce. It's only forming such a small percentage of a giant market. And yeah. you know, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, you can easily do that because if you get beyond 17 episodes, you're beyond the average. It's like that 3% of businesses in the US are only making a million bucks or more. That's not many businesses. There's only a percentage of podcasts that make it past that number 17. And there's not very many of them with 100 episodes or more. So if you can sustain that over a couple of years, you can become really successful as a podcaster and yeah, media that way as well. It's the same sort of thing, same scenario. Yeah, and I love that. I love that example because it's the exact same with the Amazon thing and, and, and any e-commerce thing and that like, yeah, people will say, oh, there's, there's like 3 million third-party sellers in the world. And it's like, yeah, but there's hardly any of them that are actually still bringing mm-hmm. in more products and all that because yeah. here's the reality, like, most people, they just fall at the first hurdle. Like, yeah. And the first hurdle in an e-commerce business, by the way, is pulling the trigger on the product, you know? And I, again, I'm really transparent and really open with this kind of stuff. And I always say, you know, out of our 4,000 clients, I wish everybody really implemented what we were saying. <laughs> they put the money down. They got their products in. They got rocking. And unfortunately, like, not everybody does, right? And I don't have the exact percentages because it's impossible to get them. But, you know, it's not 100% of people are taking 100% of the action. And, I, and I'm every day, by the way, trying to inspire our community to do it. Uh, because, again, 
I, my long-term success relies on you doing it as well. Therefore, mm. like I'm in this with you and, and it's not like I'm just telling you to do it. I've never done it before. Robert, my business partner has never done it before. We're all doing it and we're still doing it and we're still investing in other Amazon companies as well, by the way. But again, as you just said, I think the thing I want to say is your competition is not as fierce as you think. And I'm going through the same thing with our, my YouTube channel. Mm. I can see all, all the people that are, that are out there that are making great content in my space but you want to know something? I literally, we, we just relaunched our channel. We, we did it for a while and then we stopped actually for the, for many reasons, but we relaunched it very aggressively now. And I can see like, I'm starting to rank even now on certain things because we've made great stuff. People are looking at it. They're liking it. And I can see like in a year from now, we're going to have a phenomenal distribution channel, but I've got to stay, I've got to stick in it for a year now and I've got to make the best stuff I can possibly make. So again, as I said earlier on, like I'm constantly restarting things and having to go through the same thing my other clients are going through all the time. So yeah, your competition is not as fierce as you think. So just, just get it done. I would say no matter what you're going to do. Beautifully said, mate. Beautifully said. Well, Stephen, as we come towards the end of the podcast, we're nudging up against a, a bit more than an hour now. I can't let you go and move on without putting you in the hot seat as many podcasters do to their guests. It's a couple of okay. uh, random quick questions. No particular order. Just let me know what you think. The first one I've got is, in all the personal development and business books that you, that you read, have you got a favorite author or maybe the modern day version of it, a favorite YouTuber? Yeah, good question. For me, my favorite book, uh, 100%, is uh, The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. That completely changed my way of thinking about money and business. I've, I've, I quoted lots more earlier on that were probably as important, but that one just from a business standpoint is absolutely my favorite hundred yeah. percent. Who was the author again? I didn't quite catch it. M- MJ DeMarco. Yeah. MJ. Like right. Michael Jackson. I'll, uh, I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes. Cause I'm going to get good. my, I'm up for a new audio book. So that's uh that'll be the next one. off the Yeah. It, there's a new one as well of that. It's called unscripted, uh, which is also amazing by the way. Uh, so, you know, one or the other are brilliant. I love the two of the books and uh, I would highly recommend both of them actually. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Here's a random one for you. Tell me uh, if you've traveled the world, where's your favorite holiday destination? Yeah, uh, we did a holiday a number of years ago, myself and my wife, before we had uh, Harvey, only six months, well, six months ago. Uh, but basically, we went from San Francisco right down to LA. We, we drove down there over about two weeks. So my favorite place on that whole journey, actually, was uh, Santa Barbara. I just love that place. It's a beautiful city, really beautiful, actually, and, and I, I highly recommend people checking it out. So Santa Barbara, I'm going to give as my favorite destination. Very nice, very nice. My parents took me to the US when I was eight years old and I remember we did the same trip from San Francisco to LA oh, cool. and I remember stopping there as well. So oh, cool. my recollections may be not as clear as yours. So that's... Uh, <laughs> all right, here's a, uh, a typical podcasting question for you. What's a skill that you haven't mastered yet? That's a really good question. A skill I haven't mastered yet. Well, does it have to be a business skill or can it be any? Okay, so so a year ago, I decided I was going to take up golf, right? I was disgracefully bad at golf my entire life. And my friend is Very a brilliant golf. Ch- chosen sport, mate. What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, you know, it's taught me so many lessons. And I, I actually like to share a lesson real quick on that. I think it'll inspire a lot of people. Uh, it, it's this one. Golf, right? It's a game of misses. You literally just keep missing all the time. And even professionals, they keep missing all the time. And so it's about knowing what am I going to do? When I miss, when I miss, 
what am I going to do next? And that's what I love about it, that you're going to, no matter how good you get, you're going to keep making mistakes. And it's about what you do to make up for the mistake. So I haven't mastered the skill yet. I almost broke 90 the other day in 12 months, which is pretty good. But I'm trying to get, I'm trying to break 80 in the next 12 months, which is a very ambitious goal. But maybe I'll get there, maybe I won't. Do you go out in the driving range much or is it just on the course playing? I do. We do a little bit of work on the driving range, but actually at the moment it's been mostly, uh, this this year I've played more so. Uh, we played as a beautiful Lynx course near where, I, where we live. And it's cool because it's a 12-hole course, it's not 18. Mm. So it's really cool. Like you, you Basically you can get it done in two, two and a half hours. So we go there all the time, at least once a week, maybe twice a week. And uh, yeah, but last year when I, was, I I literally couldn't even hold a golf club. Like I, I used to hold it like this, like here, you can't see it if you're not uh, watching, but it's a hilariously bad hurling grip like they have in Ireland, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I learned to actually hold the golf club properly. And uh, yeah, so it's mostly on the, on the course now. Very nice. Very humbling sport, that's for sure. And I love that Amazing. that quote. It's a game of misses as well. Very nice. All right, last one for the, the podcasting hot seat. What's the... What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Yeah, it's what I always talk about with Marketplace Superheroes as well, actually, which is fulfill demand. Don't try to create demand, especially when you're starting out. So in simple terms, what do people want? What are people actively buying? What are people actively consuming right now in anything you're doing, by the way? And then it's about looking at that and saying, how can I better fulfill that demand? It's not about saying, I like yoga, therefore I'll sell yoga mats. It's about saying, well, is, are yoga mats a good market? Do, are people buying them right now? Is it too competitive? You can look at podcasting, right? It's like, well, I want to fulfill demand. So there's demand out there for stories like this that are on the, the all in podcast, podcast. And so how can I better fulfill the demand people have for that? What can I do differently with my show that's going to make it stand out? So that's my basic rule in business. I think it's very important. Beautifully said, mate. I, I love it. I love it. Well, well said there. All right. If people want to connect with you, Stephen, what's the best way for them to do that through your website, through your LinkedIn? What's the best way? Yeah. Uh, marketplace superheroes.com is a great way to connect. And the other way I have a really small Instagram following. So it's a good way if someone wants to like send me a message or something, it's Stephen with a P H J Summers, S O N E R S. Uh, Stephen J Summers. You can hit me up on Instagram. I also definitely check out our YouTube channel. I'm growing that stuff for the love of God. Go check that out and subscribe. That's the that's where you can go. All the hard work there. And if you're listening to this podcast on your phone, just have a little peek at your phone and on the show notes, the links to Stephen's socials and to his YouTube channel and his website are right there. And if you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, just scroll down and the links are right there before I let you go, mate. And, uh, so we'll be, I'll say thank you for coming on the show and sharing. That was an epic all in podcast, mate. Thank you. I wanted to just give you one last opportunity to leave us with a parting comment or a parting shot. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for that opportunity. I would say the big rule I want to share with you is don't consume, produce, and I don't care what you're doing in your life. Start producing and start ugly. It doesn't matter if it's ugly, just get started because as many people have said, in 12 months from now, time is going to pass anyway. So you might as well start producing something that you want to do. So don't consume, produce. Beautifully said, mate. Thanks again for coming on the Go All In podcast. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Thank you.
Well, there you have it, folks. What a fantastic episode. There was plenty of value in there and plenty of mind stuff in there to match as well, which I absolutely love to talk about. Make sure you connect with Stephen and get inside of his ecosystem. If you're listening on your phone, just take a peek at the show notes and all of the links to his website and socials are right there. So you don't have to go digging around the internet for them. And make sure you pop on over to his YouTube channel and subscribe and hit that bell when you get to his channel there because he's got some really fantastic videos in there and he's got a lot of great content. This stuff is just absolute gold and he's given it away for free over there on the YouTube channel. Make sure as you're looking at those links on your phone in the show notes, you hit the subscribe button. That way you'll never miss a goal in podcast and you'll always have some motivation and entertainment right at your fingertips and in your ears. And if you like what you heard today, I'd really appreciate a review as that helps us out here at the show a whole boatload as well. Now, if you've got a question or a comment for the show, make sure you reach out via the Go All In socials. And if you want to send me an email, you can do that by visiting goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. Just give me your all, just give me your all